0: Hi, I'm indie fantasy author Melinda Cruzera, and we're back with another episode of Fantasy Lore and More. And today we're here with JC Snow to talk about The Phoenix and the Sword. So let's bring her on in. Welcome, JC. And let's talk about The Yay. Phoenix and the
1: Sword. Okay, so um, The Phoenix and the Sword, um, I have it with me. So like on a pre, you know, I did another YouTube thing where I didn't bring my book and felt like a giant loser. But here it is. This is what it looks like um, in its paperback uh, version. And um wait wait it is for those first... who are
0: listening, yes. the cover is red and there's a sword and, oh, yeah. and some really beautiful mm-hmm. typography.
1: Mm-hmm. And there's like is that a yeah, forest also... or... No, it's actually it's a Phoenix. It's a Oh it's a um... fe- okay. Yeah, I'm I'm like for those of you who can't see, I am like mixing with the green filter and sometimes coming in and out with my background in a mysterious way. But the book is actually the cover has a um like this brilliant crimson um bird on it and you know, wings outspread and there's a um a red ribbon that's connecting the sword to the phoenix and there's um a lot of um, kind of hints of flame and um, golden things around the phoenix. Um, I've gotten used to like writing alt text for <laughs> images, ah. so this is how I this is how I describe it. Um, and so the title is "The Phoenix and the Sword," and it is book one in the Crane Moon Cycle. Oh, it's a duology. The um, second book is called "The Shoreless River," and um, the two books together make up one full story. And so. This summer I re-released both books as an omnibus version. So now you can also, um, instead of buying both books separately, it's possible to just buy the duology in one book. And um, then you have the whole book in one in one giant book, which is really the best way to read it because going right from the end of book one into book two, I think is probably the most rewarding way to get the story. Um, and, yeah, so that's that's the basic information. like this is the book. Um, and I can why don't you like ask me like when you see this book, <laughs> The Phoenix and the Sword, um, you're kind of wondering, like, what is this book? Why is there a giant bird on the cover? <laughs> I was so. actually wondering that. <laughs> so um, all right, so the Phoenix and the Sword and the Shoreless River again, are um, it is a love story, and it's a double love story. Um, And it is a love story that involves multiple identities and um, past lives. And so it's hard to talk about it as like a simple story. But it begins with um, a person named Eileen Fallon, who is living in um, a world that's pretty much like our own around the 1940s. Um, There's a war on and uh, she is training to be a combat nurse, which is one of the very few things that in her world a woman could do. And um, she is also a lesbian, which in that world is not a super cool thing to be. Um, but she has a community. She has a friend. Um, she is determined to do this with her life because she wants to get away from some bad things in her own past. And. Um, And just before she's about to ship out um, and to do her work as a combat nurse, um, she meets a really mysterious person um, who introduces herself as Tyre. And Tyre um, is very, very intriguing and very strange. And Eileen's friends warn her about Tyre. But um, without spoiling the book, it's really, really hard to go much further than that. Um, but you know that um, going into it, that this begins with the story of Eileen and Tyre, And um, what is going to happen to them is going to um, reveal some aspects of Eileen's own nature and reality that she was completely unaware of. And a whole other world of um, spiritual power and magic and beings that um, can take both magical and human forms. And within this world, um, one of those kinds of being is a phoenix. Um, and the, uh, another kind of being is a demon. And um, in terms of like, you know, thinking about coming on this podcast, which is supposed to be about the lore of the world... Um, it's, it's important to know that a lot of the, the lore of this world, a lot of the world building is inspired by Chinese fantasy genres. And so it's inspired by xianxia and wuxia and xuanhuan novels, which are about the beings of mythology, um, coming into these novels and coming into the stories. So it's, um, it's not like those novels fully because the um, spiritual and magical beings are not fully like the Chinese versions. Um, but it's, it's, it's very much inspired by that. And so there's a lot of those um, aspects of spiritual power and cultivation um, and uh, chi and dragons and um, all kinds of amazing things that are woven into the book. Wow. There's a so, lot. You're gonna, <laughs> so, you're gonna now that you've teased us. You're gonna give us an excerpt. <laughs> I will. And so the and because the book's timelines um, because it's a dual timeline book, and um, because there are a lot of things that you almost can't read without giving massive spoilers, um, I chose kind of a an encapsulated short excerpt. Um, moving towards the middle of the book. So if you could, if you look at the book on Amazon, you can read, um, you know, several chapters in. So I didn't choose the beginning because you can go read those chapters. It's pretty easy for you to do. But um, something that gets past the beginning into when things start getting really, really unexpected. And so this is where Ailee um, is about to make a transition into a very, very different world. And she is doing that with the help of a mysterious person named Tainu. And um, Tainu has just encouraged her, I'm not gonna lie, it's a little surprising, Tainu has just encouraged her to jump into a volcano. And so she is doing that. And there are reasons that she is doing that, which will make sense um, if you read the book. But um, so this is her getting ready to go into the volcano and falling, falling through the volcano. And where is it going to take her? Um, Okay, so as she fell, Eile felt a strange sense of exhilaration. It was only a few seconds, but there was nothing to worry about now. Everything that could be done had been done. Falling was as though she was leaving it all behind all her life. Done and undone, it was behind her now. The heat started to crisp her clothes and hair. Next to her, a red bird dove with folded wings like a falcon, its head stretched towards the fire below them. The bird flicked its wings and suddenly was directly ahead of her, below her, falling at a constant speed that matched hers. She could have reached out and grabbed the scarlet tail feathers. Don't, said Tainu's voice. He sounded strained as though he couldn't manage any more. The wings of the bird stretched very carefully against the blistering wind, very slightly outspread bit by bit. Ahead of her, the bird's wings started to catch fire, first a flow of individual sparks, then a rush of golden white flame that encompassed her with a comfortable warmth, as though she were enclosed in the tail of a comet. The molten rock beneath them rushed closer and closer, the incredible heat, and suddenly everything around them was black. Eilie spilled out onto something hot and spiky in bright sunlight, watching a red bird zip up into the air above her as she rolled and tried to catch her breath. Behind her, she saw a glowing ring in the air, an outline of white hot fire, which immediately faded away. Get up, get up, get up. The bird had swooped back down, trying to grab her by the hair, but she managed to stand on her own and wave her hand. What's going on? Run, follow me. Running, that she could do. She pounded behind the red bird at her top speed, breathing evenly to keep herself focused. Where are we going? There. The only thing she could see that was there was a line of hills in the distance. They were not close. She kept her breath for running and turned around only once. Behind them was a line of shadow like a wave on the ocean, and like foam on the ocean there were bits that were flying and reaching out ahead. Some of these bits, in the split second she had to see, seemed to have faces, but the faces were all alike and all monstrous. Whatever this thing was, it was one being, not many. The faces had eyes and noses, but no mouths. The mouth was the wave itself, growing higher and higher behind them like a sleeper wave. Never turn your back on the ocean, she thought, panicked, and dug her toes into the earth, which felt like deep sand dragging her down, even though it looked like ordinary golden grass. The grass ahead of her got longer, and she realized it wasn't quite ordinary. It was as sharp as razors. As the grass blades slashed through her uniform pants and the skin of her legs, her blood spattered all over them, and they made a gleeful, high-pitched laughing noise. Her skin healed immediately, but the slashing continued, and she started to feel a tingling in her muscles. She couldn't tell if the wave was catching up. Instead of looking, she put her head down and ran for her life. Before they reached the distant hills, they started to pass boulders, first small ones, then larger and larger, some large as houses. They reminded her of the standing stones near her home, set into the gentle hills without rhyme or reason. But these were a crystalline blue, not the rough gray rock she was familiar with. The red bird swooped off to the left and she's followed it, but now they were running parallel to the wave and it immediately took advantage. The smallest bits of shadow were splashing near her feet when she saw the red bird perch on a single blue rock straight ahead. Get in, get in, just keep running without stopping. The crystal face loomed up in front of her and she ran full tilt into it, not even taking the time to wonder what it would feel like to smash her skull on a rock. Suddenly, she was surrounded with a dim, filtered light, and the red bird was landing beside her and transforming into Tainu's tall form. He was still wearing the uniform of an orderly, torn and dirty, gray and ragged against his warm brown skin. He looked down at himself in distaste, picking up his collar with two fingers. Ugh, he said. He took a deep breath. Well, we made it. Ailee bent over, gasping to catch her breath before looking around. Why, why were you worried? She asked at last. I thought, I thought we can't die. Well, I don't know about you, to be honest. You're a special case. Tainu stretched and then went toward the back of the room where there was a standing wardrobe. He reached into it and started rummaging around. Thank goodness there's some stuff to change into here. He came out with a dark blue tunic and trousers and casually started unbuttoning his shirt. Do you want some privacy? Eily asked to change. It's okay, you're not my type, he said. You should change too, here. He tossed her another tunic and leggings. It'll be loose on you and tight on me, but at least it doesn't stink. Eilie realized that her clothes were ripped, but stiff with blood, her own and others, and she couldn't get them off fast enough. She found that with the opportunity to get something off that was clean, she didn't particularly care about privacy either. With clean clothes, even in such a bizarre situation, came some ability to think. Who put this stuff here? She asked. Is it for phoenixes? Do people stock this up like a rest station? I have no idea, Tainu said. Probably not phoenixes. We don't do long-term planning, and we're not here that often. This is someone's house. We shouldn't stay that long. This is what now? Ailee looked around, instantly uncomfortable some spirit beings home. There are a lot of beings that belong here. Plenty of them never enter the mortal realm at all. It's not interesting or needful for them. Don't they lock their doors? Not well enough to keep me out, luckily, he said. I know a few ways to break a ward. It's not my first attempt. Okay, she said, fine. But before we leave and start running again, what were we running for and why were we running?' There are a lot of dangers here, Tainu said, and to answer your previous question, I don't know what your situation is, and I guess we won't know, unless sometime you can't be healed from an injury. But for phoenixes, in the mortal realm, we really can't be killed. If we have an injury we can't heal from, we'll be reborn. That's just how it is for us. In the spirit realm, though, death is death for us. This is our home, and our bodies here are versions of our true body, no matter what we might look like. And there are beings here that hunt phoenixes. Hunt you? Why? For power, he shrugged. It's not like they tell me their reasons. Anyway, that's why the period of childhood is very dangerous for us, because we have to spend it in the spirit realm. And that, he added, linking his hands and cracking his knuckles, is why there are refuges with strong wards to protect phoenixes after to rebirth, and I'm hoping that Thomas and whispered something under his breath. Okay, I'll stop there. That was wild. So our girl <laughs> I know is a it's, it's, it's very wild. Um so I'll spoiler it a little bit. She's actually not a Phoenix. Um, oh there is something. Yeah, but there is something that has happened to her that has made her similar to a phoenix in some ways. And they don't really know what the extent of that is, um, what has really been done to her, um, what the rules are for her. Because the rules for her seem to be very different than the rules for normal phoenixes. Um, so one of the things about phoenixes in this world, and this this is like a lore thing, is that... Mm-hmm. Um, Phoenixes are um, they are immortal. They're constantly reborn every thousand years. They have a thousand year cycle. Um, and they um, can heal any illness with their blood, any illness, any wound. Um, they can heal other people with their blood in that way. Um, but they cannot use weapons, and they actually can't fight at all. So if they try to fight someone, the weapon will rebound on them, or it will disappear or break. Or if they try to like push someone, it'll be like a wind pushes them back. They actually can't fight even to fend themselves. So, really? so on the one wow. hand, they're immortal and invulnerable and can't, you know, they can, they can be hurt. They can be heavily injured. They can suffer. They can be killed um, within the mortal realm. And then they're just reborn in the spirit realm. Um, but they also can't fight or defend themselves. so on the one hand, they're extremely powerful, and on the other hand, they're incredibly defenseless. and so they they live in a very hidden way um, and they're normally hiding from the other kind of beings, which are demons uh, so that's that's just that's part of the interesting lore of the world is that this is the the dynamic that they're living in.
0: That's wild. So before we get into that, which I do want to get into, I just want to go back to, you said their world is like our world Mm -hmm. in fighting war. So like, it's like, you know, whatever we had in World War II technology, Mm -hmm. they have, plus they have magic. Okay. And is it, is the war they're fighting Mm -hmm. similar to what was going on in World War II? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it's, um, so it's definitely it was inspired by World War II, and originally I was writing it as a historical fantasy, but um, then I realized like I so I'm I'm a historian in my you know professional life, and I just started getting frantic that I could not make the timeline of the story work with the actual timeline of World War II, and the geography was not cooperating, and things were not you know doing what I wanted them to do. So um, I made it into that more fully fantasy, happens. but it's still very I would yeah. say yeah
0: <laughs> that always happens with it fantasy books. in one place do. and then the story drifts about a hundred miles from it and yeah. we're like wait how did this happen but it's better yeah. this way but it doesn't yeah. yeah so anyways go on i feel your pain <laughs> yeah
1: yeah i mean like i'm like once i like let go of like trying to get every little historical detail right like it was very freeing so <laughs> i wish i did that earlier but um yeah, so it was, there in the world that they're in, magic is actually not known. Um, so all of these spiritual beings, they are, they are not known to normal human beings. Normal human beings don't use magic, don't believe in magic. Um, they're using guns and, you know, warships and radios and the kind of things that they had in World War II. And there's not, um, there, there are not a lot of spiritual beings in the world. Um, and so they're, they're pretty well hidden. And so when Ailee starts encountering this, it's completely beyond her experience. Um, her culture doesn't even have legends about this kind of thing. Um, so like there are cultures that do at least have legends about it and would kind of recognize what's going on, but Ailee's culture is not like that. She's just like, this is, this is completely bizarre. And I cannot make sense of this at all. So for her, it's all a very, very big surprise. I mean, that would be a surprise for anybody. I think. <laughs> well, yeah, there's there's a lot of um kind of like traumatic discovery <laughs> that Eilie has to go through. Um, so finding out the the, the first book is really the story of um Eileen discovering, you know, who she has been and um, why it is that Tyre is coming to find her, um, right. and is also in- introduces the two other main characters, um, Tainu, who is the, Tainu is a phoenix. Um, he's actually the eldest phoenix. Um, so he's very pow- powerful. So Tainu is um, the person that Eile was with in that excerpt. The other main character is a demon and um, his name is Juguaren. And so we, the, these four characters have um, a lot of past together. And so they're kind of unraveling. their shared past but also um, trying to figure out what this means now because one of the things that happens um, sometimes in reincarnation stories which I love and this is a reincarnation story is that um, you know it seems like people like remember their past life and like everything is like totally fine but you know in fact you know you don't remember your past life at all. You are not the same person that you were in your previous life. You know, you Mm -hmm. have died and you have lived a new life. You are not that same person. And so part of it is that, you know, you can't recapture the past. You can't like undo what has been done. And that's part of what they're trying to do in this book is trying to, in some ways, undo something that can't be undone. And then since you can't undo it, what do we do now? you know, what, what do we have to do with like this past and this trauma that we've inherited basically. Um, do they have to, so that's, they that's kind it? of like what what, 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 um, they, it is or, or relived, like, or, it, um, by Eileen. Yes. Okay. It's not, so it's not repeated. It's remembered. Okay. Um, oh, okay. Um, okay. So, it so happened, they don't have it, to repeat it,
0: yeah. but they,
1: they, that's good. yeah, it happened. It's done. Um, and that that's actually part of like it's done like you can't you can't repeat it <laughs> you know like right that, you can't undo it you can't thing repeat that it that happened 1000 years ago yeah yeah there there's no way forward through that yeah you can't you can't make that not have happened and um several people in the story really really want that to not have happened and yet they they can't so try and it's it's hard to speak about it in such generalities um but it's it's almost impossible to like not spoiler it, honestly. Right. Right. (laughs) So we're, we're, you know, we're trying to keep it really general. So,
0: so I want to go back to something you said, you said that that's, you, you started talking about the the world how there's the phoenixes and there's what eily is and there's the demons and i want to come back to that mm-hmm. like so like tell us more about that i just i just mm-hmm. now that we understand like that we are in a world that has some technology mm-hmm. and guns and things um mm-hmm. so yeah. so like, so where did the demons come from what do they want are they honored are they tr- i mean mm-hmm. are they trying to get to it
1: like what's going mm-hmm. on there so <laughs> So one of the things that that's really interesting is that um, since a lot of this was inspired by um, just like my great enjoyment of Chinese, contemporary Chinese fantasy, in um, a lot of contemporary Chinese fantasy that's translated into English, there's a um, beings that are called demons. <clears throat> and so like, if you're reading in English, you'll be reading about demons, you'll be reading about the demonic path, demonic cultivation. Um, and the word demon like has a special meaning like in English coming out of European Christianity and, you know, they're evil beings and they want to do evil things. Um, but the word that's being translated from Chinese um, doesn't have quite the same meaning, um, Yao or yaomo. Wow. Um And so <clears throat> what's translated as demon, it's a it's a spiritual being um, that is cultivating power. Um, A Yalmo may be cultivating, um, you know, corruption or resentment, um, you know, not not, or um, some kind of spiritual power that um, comes arises from evil and injustice and then may affect their own personality and their own way of being in the world. Um, But they are not necessarily inherently evil. You know, they just are. Um, or sometimes Yamo can mean a being that's actually created through um suffering and resentment and curses. Um, so like something that's actually arising from that that evil in the world. But it's not like they are the source of evil in the world. They're more like, in a sense, a result of the evil that's in the world. But um when it's when it's being yeah, so it, like it's it's in writing this, um, like I I worked with uh, a cultural consultant. And, um, you know, we talked a lot about the different ways um, to use Yao um, or to use demon. And um, I ended up going back and forth between them. But there's a little bit of a sense of play between the word demon that is the English sense of an evil right. being and um, the Yao, which is a more complicated and um, more 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 open and complicated figure and so the demons in this book they are um not inherently evil so that part of it is um similar to the chinese they're um they're affected by the kind of um spiritual power they cultivate which is corrupted ki chi or resentment um, resentment is another way that it's translated into english and of course resentment has a meaning in english and so like when we say resentment we're kind of playing with the english sense and how it's fitting into the, um, the Chinese tradition, but it's not quite the same as like the fully Chinese version of all of these things. Um, so my, the, the demon, the main demon that we get to know in this one is Zhu Guaren, and he is, um, he is very involved in something that he needs to accomplish involving um, creating and encouraging a great deal of suffering in the world. Um because he will benefit from that. He can cultivate the power of resentment that comes from people's suffering and um, unjust deaths and violence. Um so it's not like he goes around actually hurting or killing people with his mm-hmm. own hands very often because that's not that's not what he needs. What he needs right. is the development of human suffering. So it's better for him to encourage human beings to do it for to one another. And so I see because I was going to
0: ask, how do you how mm-hmm. do demons cultivate? So, if they're influencing mm-hmm. and getting people to do things that would then create what they need, which in this case is suffering, I get you. Yeah. So, they're influencing, yeah. I guess, in some way, this war because a war creates suffering,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that would, I guess, exactly cultivate their,
1: yeah, the, the power they're looking for. That's mm-hmm. neat, yeah, that's really neat. Um, so one of the ways that it's different. From from the the Chinese fantasy world is that the demons and the phoenixes realm, which I call the spirit realm. So they're not they're not actually based in the earth realm. They're from a different aspect of reality. Um, and one thing that so demons are not immortal, but they're very very long lived. Um, so Zhu Guoran is something around nine thousand years old <laughs> at this point. Wow. Um, and the yeah, th- there's some very old beings in this, um, and one of the things that, like, from the point of view of an immortal being, these wars are kind of like all the same, you know. Yeah. It, in in a sense, like, it doesn't matter to them who wins. Um, for the phoenixes, most phoenixes are mostly just trying to hide from demons. Um, from Tainu, for Tainu and Tyre, they're trying to heal the people they encounter because they are they want to. Um, help minimize the suffering in the world. Um, not all phoenixes are like that. Most phoenixes are just like most hiding and trying not to get involved in anything. Um, and the demons are just like, hooray, there's a war. How can we make it worse? And that's, <laughs> but, but that, that would be true of any war or like any yeah. opportunity they see to encourage um, more violence, more suffering, um, more injustice. And um, so one of the things that actually happens is the war almost like becomes a background because from the point of view of the immortal beings, this is a war like any other war. And yeah. um, they they it, they they see it differently than a human being would.
0: Which makes sense. I mean, if you've been alive for 9000 mm-hmm. years and you've seen countless wars, yeah. I mean, how many how many ways are they to fight a war and, exactly. and how many things are there really to fight over? I mean, it's it's after a while, it's like, mm-hmm. oh okay, so it's situation a with opponent B. okay, mm-hmm. I've, I've seen this before. I kind of know what to do mm-hmm. to get what I want. Um,
1: exactly. Let's, so, exactly. Let's, like I, 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 know, I know how to arrange sure. things to get them. yes. Out of it
0: yeah but you said something mm-hmm. really interesting again um saying that the phoenixes are hiding from the demons so what's the deal with mm-hmm. the, it it sounds like there's some oh, history yeah. there yeah. and like what it, can the demons yes. hurt them so, like mm-hmm. let, let's let's get dig into that a bit
1: mm-hmm.
0: if that's not going to spoil yeah t- <laughs> so
1: yeah this is the um there, there's a tiny this i can't like not spoiler it but you know there are things like I'm on a podcast talking about the book. I have to say something. So, um, this, and this is like, you know, this is, this is world building. Um, So yeah, the, um, the Phoenixes and the demons are, they're both coming from the spirit realm, which is, gotcha. um, it's just different. You know, it's never fully explained um, how they relate to each other. Like they're inside the worlds, even if they're going between them, like they don't know what the world looks like from the outside. Um, so the spirit realm is their natural place and, um, they move, they can move back and forth between the, the spirit realm and the mortal realm. So in the mortal realm, phoenixes cannot die, cannot really die in the spirit realm. They can really die and demons, um, have, Yeah. And so demons have discovered that um, a Phoenix's blood um, because it's immortal blood um, that constantly has the beginnings of life in it um, can be used to um, create very, very powerful spells. And there's a lot of spells that require a Phoenix's blood. And so what a demon will try to do, uh, demons will try to capture phoenixes and um, magically restrain them and essentially, um, collect blood from them. So I should mention like in terms of content warnings um, for for people that um, are sensitive to blood, there is a lot of imagery of blood um, in the books. Um, so the blood is, the blood of the phoenix is what the, the demon wants. And, um, but the demons, are, the phoenixes are very hard to catch because they, um, they can hide very well. Um, They try to get out of the spirit realm as soon as they can um, after rebirth, because the spirit realm is where um, they can be captured and actually killed. Um, But in the mortal realm, demons that capture phoenixes can essentially keep them alive for hundreds and hundreds of years, but constantly Mm. collecting their blood, which is a painful process. um, Because they're always going to heal and they won't die. So, um, for a phoenix to be captured by a demon is a, is a horrible, horrible fate. Um, and so they try to hide to not be noticed. And that's one of the reasons that phoenixes don't actively go out in the world and heal people because that draws attention to them. And eventually phoenix, there are many, many more demons than phoenixes. There are very few phoenixes. So, um, a demon, demons that start hearing about a phoenix are going to get really excited (laughs) and do their best to capture that phoenix. Um... And so when a Phoenix does go through rebirth, um they have a period of childhood in the spirit realm. And during that period of childhood, that's when they're most likely to be captured. And so that's the most dangerous time for them, is right after they're reborn in the spirit realm. Wow. <laughs> and you know, there's there's a lot, honestly. Yeah.
0: So okay, so they're born in the spirit realm, and then they—how do they get from the spirit realm to like? How do they get a body and like?
1: I'm so glad you asked. Yeah,
0: so like, um, that's, like, how do you go? So, okay, I'm reborn in the spirit realm. Now, what do I do? Like, do you remember mm-hmm. anything? Like, what do you like? You you're in the spirit oh, realm. You just been reborn. Really... What happens? Like, mm-hmm. what do you know? Do you know anything? Um mm-hmm. And how do you get yeah, to so that's out actually, of the spirit
1: realm? <laughs> that's a really, really important question. So yeah. um do you know you have to get out of so, there or are you just kind of like chilling? Yeah. So um phoenixes, they um they don't have parents, so like saying they're born is not quite the thing, but um they are they are awakened into consciousness in the spirit realm and um they live their life and they go through rebirth. Um, when they go through rebirth, they do know who they are. So this is the difference between like, um, what might be reincarnation for a human being and rebirth for a phoenix. A person that's reincarnated does not know their past, does not know who they are. Um, they're born as a baby. Um, they have no idea. Um, a phoenix always maintains, always retains their consciousness. Um, they always know who they are. They know who they've been. They know their history. Um, so the... In, in this world, um, in the world of the books in general, like in terms of world building, um, one of the aspects that comes from the Chinese fantasy tradition is the idea mm. that spiritual beings and natural beings, um, animals, plants, uh, um, you know, things that have life um, can develop sentience through cultivating spiritual power. And they can cultivate to the point where they can take on a human form. Um, and for phoenixes, since they are <clears throat> they are natively incredibly powerful, um, imbued with spiritual power, they can uh, develop. They can transform into a human being very early. You know, just like probably mm-hmm. a few hours after rebirth, um, a demon would have to cultivate for several hundred years before they are able to take a human form. A human form is not their native I form. See. Um, But in the world, like there's also animals and plants that cultivate human forms. And if their cultivation goes wrong or they begin, you know, cultivating resentment or corrupted chi, then they they transform into monstrous beings rather than human formed beings. And so um, it's all based in the idea of cultivation. Um, So I don't know if you've ever read like any cultivation novels or um, are familiar with that genre at all.
0: Oh, um, well, this is different, read,
1: different.
0: I mean, I've different. read some things that that were called that said they were um, cultivation or that or progress. that said they were cultivation and progression, and it was about you know growing your mm-hmm. magic and stuff. But like, there not, was mm-hmm. nothing in there about like non sentient creatures. I'm still stuck on that. So how? So I'm a plant. Mm-hmm. How how do I cultivate uh-huh. things like? Because plants aren't conscious. Like, how would a non conscious mm-hmm uh plants cultivate like are, are they just like somebody wanders by with good energy and they soak some of it up and that's how they're they and they get enough of it that they can yeah. get to another level where they can like think about oh maybe i should get some more of this good good vibes <laughs> and and see where mm-hmm. i can go with this
1: yeah i don't do a lot with um with the plants cultivating forms cu- cultivating consciousness but right I'm- Um, I do have like at least one in the books, but, um, I think, so this is where like, it's me, um, just kind of experiencing Chinese Mm -hmm. fantasy, um, in English translation and, um, trying my best to, to learn about, um, how the system works. It's coming out of Taoist and Buddhist, um, philosophy and Chinese traditional religion, but, um. The I think the basic idea is that the world is full of chi, which is the spiritual energy of of that's you know created by and maintains uh, living beings and life, and um, there are places in the world that have that are auspicious, that are full filled with um, this energy um, in this positive powerful energy, and things that are lucky enough to be in those places will soak in that energy. And, you know, can through that cultivate. Um, one of the things that, you know, in in my understanding, and I think that like comes up in one of the books is that um, everything can and does cultivate, but um, cultivating intentionally is something that only uh, beings at a certain level of sentience can do. And I see. Um, human beings can also cultivate. Um, but in the world that Aili lives in, that tradition of cultivation has been completely forgotten. Um, so no one knows that human beings can do this. Uh, she's never heard of cultivation. Um, but, you know, in the past, there were human beings that were cultivators and would also cultivate spiritual energy, but they would never be as powerful as the demons or phoenixes. Um, and so that's... that's um, Because they... They're both naturally more connected to to chi, but also because they live a lot longer. <laughs> the longer you live, um, the more you can cultivate, and so the more power you are bringing into yourself. That um, makes sense. That makes sense. But yeah, yeah. So it it is it is a cultivation world, and um, you know it's it's built around this idea of cultivation, but it's not um, a progression fantasy. So yeah, progression is like you know, more about, yes, like you're constantly becoming stronger. So in mm-hmm. this one, you know, obviously like the idea that you become stronger through cultivation is like foundational to the world, right? but um, that's not what it's about. It's not about like, how am I going to keep cultivating and keep becoming stronger? It's actually um, not about that at all. Um, and I and see, some, I see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not the point they're of the sort book. Of, this, like, not, yeah, yeah, they're
0: sort of, they're passively doing this. It's not an active thing that's going on.
1: Well, and they don't need to. So that, I mean, both the phoenixes and um Guaren, you know, they both have to cultivate um, in order to maintain their power. But um, they're both, they're all already so powerful is that they're not wandering around, you know, thinking I've got to cultivate so I can you know, beat this person in a battle or something like that. They're thinking, you know, I need to cultivate to become stronger for other reasons. Um, It's not about like in a lot of progression fantasies, like I'm Mm -hmm. going, just going to keep making myself stronger so I can win this next battle, or I can have a higher ranking, or I can, you know, do this or that, or the other thing in this one. um, They need to become stronger to survive, to protect one another, um, to try to undo this thing that um, they, um, have all been involved in in the past. <laughs> so, And in some ways, um, what ends up happening is they end up um, becoming less powerful in the story. And so part of it is about like what it means to actually give up some power that you've become very much used to having.
0: Right. Wow.
1: And what does it, you know, once you have a power that is far beyond what more what human beings normally have, which is what happens to Ailee, how do you deal with that, that you are now, you know, no longer like other human beings, and um, you can um, do both very good and helpful things and really horrific things. Um, And this is a power that now you have to deal with, even though you never wanted it.
0: Yeah, wow. And you said that this is also a love story. So eileen has got got something special out there it's that she's gotta find yeah. or has yeah. So she's she's gotta find that that person. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean the basic it, it starts with Tyre coming to find Eileen Um and okay. you know Tyre and Eileen are you know the the central love story. Um but then Tyre disappears, and Eilie has to find her. And so that's actually oh, kind of okay. like the inciting incident, um, where Eilie um, has to find what has happened to Tyre. Um, and then there is um, a because it's dual timeline. There is a nested love story with um, two characters, and I don't want to get spoilery, um, but okay. it is it is very much about people's relationships and past intertwining together. Um, And yeah, and it's, it's really, it's, it's structured around the love story, but, um, it's not a romance as I discovered, um, (laughs) from people that read a lot of Oh, okay. So, um, um, a happy after, ever after is not
0: guaranteed. Yeah. Gotcha. Um,
1: Gotcha. Not, not spoiler, not spoiler. Um, there's lots, lots of, um. There is a lot of things that happen. So this is like the worst description of a bookie ever. Like, there's a lot of things that happen in the book. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> every. Book. As, that's a, that's um, a little general there. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is. It's every book. It's every book. How do people do this? How do they talk about their books without spoilers? I, I need I need to take a class in how one does this. Um, I mean I mean I but, think a lot of
0: authors yeah. figure out like what spoilers they're comfortable giving out and they'll, they'll give those out. I think if you have mm-hmm. a longer series than spoiling the first book you don't care because it like uh, <laughs> I have a series with 10 books in it. Spoiling the first book Sure. Uh-huh. There's nine others. I'm not going to tell you what happens <laughs> except some fun tidbits yes. that might, that may interest yeah. you in going further and deeper into the series. But when you have two, that's, yeah. a lot, that's rough. So the, in the nested love story, yeah. is that in the past? Because you said the story um, crosses centuries.
1: Yes, it's the, um. so there's a nested love story in the past. And then there's also a, um an ongoing and unexpected love story as well. Um, which turns out to have roots in the past as well. So, like there, there, there's a lot about how the past shapes the present. Um, yeah, and that's 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 also going on. So, yeah, and it's it's you know it's it's very much about how people love one another and what it means to to love and um, commit to one another in a very complicated world when people have a lot of baggage that they're bringing into into any interaction. So and I will end, say like it's queer on. all the way down. So like everybody's queer in this book, more or less. So no,
0: that's cool. That that's un- mm-hmm. it's unapologetically queer, and that's cool. That, very totally much so. Cool. It's,
1: it's so, one of the things that um, I do love about a lot of the Chinese fantasy novels that I read. Um, a lot of them are un- unapolo very unapologetically queer, and um, you know it's very enjoyable like there's no explanation there's no justification there's no like we're the only two people like us in the world it's like eh. <laughs> there's there's a lot Um a lot of the characters are um in queer relationships so
0: that's cool though that it's like normalized like i, I mm-hmm. and, and not fetishized which i think that's i think that's awesome because it, mm-hmm. it you know love is love and like who cares who you love as long as they're consenting and they're an adult and nobody's mm-hmm. being forced to do anything they don't want to do. Hey, have fat. Go have fun.
1: You know, mm-hmm. that's yeah. You know, that's my that, take that, on that, it. Not that, that people care people care. <laughs>
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no, you can't that's, help that's who awesome. you love. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I was gonna say, so it's a, you said it's a duology, and and this is the mm-hmm. end. So it's, it's these are the only books you're gonna write in that world. Are there gonna be any tie-ins or is no, there any like you've no. completely wrapped there, there everything up, up in a bow at the end?
1: No, that I'm actually working on the next book in the series now and <laughs> it's one of one of the things that I'm wrestling is like is this really like a series or is this a a second duology that's in the same world um it's it, because the duology does complete a story like it c- completes the arc of Eileen um, Tyre um, in a very satisfying way but um you know then because these are, pretty much immortal beings, obviously, like life is not over for them. And, um, and more will happen. And so the the next book in the world, or the series is called The Sea Glass Tide. And it's actually, I think it's, it's almost done, like it's in revision, right now, um, and after, (laughs) after multiple revisions. So um, I'm hoping that I can publish that in the next year. Um, maybe even by the end of this year, if I move really quickly. But I want to make sure that that it works and that it's emotionally satisfying. So um, it's it's a different it's a different. I mean, it's in the same world, but it is set forward about 300 years after the close of the second book in the duology, and um, the main character is um, a side character in the duology. Um, so it's really, and it's dealing with very different, um, very different challenges. So, yeah, um, I'm working on that and it's, it's been really rewarding and exciting and I'm looking forward to it being in its final form so I can talk about it more.
0: Nice. And so after that possible duology, well, is there going to be more? (laughs) the characters in the world it yes. sounds like you've got a really interesting <laughs> world that you could do a lot with uh I hear the characters crying mm-hmm. out for more
1: <laughs> yeah um so yeah actually um <laughs> uh, but yes so um the next book is almost done and I think that um I I'm like oh that book's gonna be standalone but I don't think it will so I think that book will be a duology also um and and then I actually have completed, almost completed in draft, um, a, a second trilogy that is also um, set in the future. Um, it's set um, closer to a thousand years, or maybe longer than that, in the future. Um, and that one is is also very different. It has a lot of different characters, um, and it has um, it's in the same world. Uh, but it's a very different setting, and it's a different. It's more of a political book than this one was. Um, so, like in this book, like I said, the demons and the phoenixes are like eh, all wars. All wars are the same. Phoenixes are like we're sad for the suffering. Demons are like we're really happy with the suffering. Um, but wars are wars, and they're not getting involved in like any of the politics. They're not saying we really hope these guys win um, from their point of view. Like it's all the same. Um, so in that in that future trilogy. There's much more of getting involved in the human world um, and in um, human issues of oppression and suffering. Um, But that one, those ones exist in draft, in early draft. And so they they're definitely going to need more revision before they see the light of day. (laughs) But
0: that's interesting. yeah. That's interesting that a thousand years later, they're like, well, maybe not all wars are wars you know are the same maybe this war is different and we should get involved that's interesting that'd be interesting to Mm -hmm. find out what Mm -hmm. motivates them this time to get involved and why nothing that came Um, before like motivated them to do it like what is different about this one mm -hmm. so that'll be very interesting to find out
1: yeah yeah and that one i mean like in that one it's it's so in that future trilogy um there's more about the nature of the spirit realm um and how it relates to the mortal realm um, but there's also um as we discover i will spoiler this trilogy that probably no one will see for years um so like th- there's a third realm which is like yeah Someone will dig this up on YouTube ah! and say, ha um, But you said you would do this and then you didn't. Um, but so there was going to, they discovered that there's the third realm, which is the realm of the dead, because the spirit realm is not the realm of the dead. Um, you know, that's, it's the realm of spiritual beings, but there is also the realm of the dead. And so in the future trilogy, there, um, there's a lot more about how these three realms interact. And there's a lot more um, emphasis on some human characters, some new human characters, as well as some new um, characters that are coming from these other realms. Um, And so there is like um, some pretty like awful war stuff going on, which again, like the demons and the phoenixes have seen a million times, but um, it's also in, they're realizing that like, you know, we can't really sit sit back and just like be around the edges of this anymore. So like they, a decision is made to actively become involved in some of the wars that are going on, but they're mostly because the demons are getting more heavily involved in the, um, in, in kind of, let us say, hands-on management of the, (laughs) of the human world. And the, there's a, a new, um, Kind of spiritual creature that will learn a few new kinds that we'll learn about in that trilogy, and they are also getting involved. And so, like, it's a very, very complicated situation. And human beings are mostly just like, you know, suffering a lot um, in nice. this. And so, that's, so that's what it sucks to be human in that trilogy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it
1: well, it, it it doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, like, you could say it always sucks to be human, but um it's it's also like people live good lives and looking for happiness and, you know, finding love and stuff like that. Um, and the suffering that they're experiencing is mostly at the hands of other humans, which is why, you know, from the Phoenix point of view, like we, we can't stop it because we can't control humans. Like how could we do that? That's what demons try to do is manipulate humans. Right, right. Um, yeah. And so the, the ways in which they get involved are a little bit unexpected at that point.
0: That sounds fun.
1: I I hope it will be. There are definitely a lot of really really cool characters, and um, so that's why I keep thinking like, okay, I owe it to you. I owe it to you, amazing characters, to finish that trilogy and um, get and it out in the world. The next one. <laughs> I I really think <laughs> <laughs> at that point. I mean, I do have ideas for like other worlds that are different and have different. Oh, that are calling on. out for you? Um, yes, I do actually. Um, so much so that I'm like, after I finish book three, can I take a break before I write the next book and then like write something in a different world? But um, I feel like I'll feel really, really awesome to have completed, you know, all of the parts of this world that are that are calling to me and um, complete those stories and bring it to the to the strongest ending that I can. So, yeah. So the duology, though, as it is out in the world, The Crane Moon Cycle, um, that is a complete and satisfying story. So that's like why it is, you know, a a duology um, and why I put them together into one book so that the two books can be read together. Um, That's actually like one of my my greatest fears. um, My greatest anxiety as an author is that people will stop after book one and I'm like, no, because because you don't you don't you don't get all the satisfaction <laughs> unless, unless you read to the end of the story, which is the end of book two. Um, and so that's why I like I really want to make it easy for people to read both books as much as possible.
0: Nope. That's awesome. So, all right. So we've got the duology, then we got another duology coming and then a trilogy mm-hmm. coming. So the second, the first mm-hmm. book in the second duology may be out towards the end of this year, beginning of next year, the trilogy, should we look mm-hmm. for that in 2024 or 2025? Um,
1: I think it depends on, I think it really depends on how quickly I can complete the second book of the second duology. Um, because then once I do that, then the <coughs> the trilogy already is pretty much completed in draft. Um, so then it's just it's a lot of revising. And I don't know like how you feel about revising as an author. If you'd rather be rough drafting or revising, do you, do you have a preference?
0: Um, like I, I'm weird. I write the story from start to finish and then that's it. Like I do any revising I'm going to do while I'm writing it. And then, um, mm-hmm. don't really make many changes. Once I get to the end of the book, like I don't make very many changes. Cause I, I reread cause I, I work full time. And so I will, mm-hmm. I write, I try to write every day. Sometimes I just can't cause work, whatever. And, um, mm-hmm. So uh, sometimes there could be a couple of days where I don't get to write just because I just I'm working and I can't, (laughs) I get home too late and I'm pass out Mm -hmm. and that's it. And I have to go do the whole thing again and again and again. Um, So I have an app on my phone um, that reads it back to me. So I I like to take long walks, so it'll Mm -hmm. read it to me and I will just, Mm -hmm. I have it open on my phone and I just make like changes. Like if you're listening to a AI read the book back to you. You can listen to ten thousand words in an hour, and that could be five chapters mm-hmm. if they're two thousand words each, or it could be two chapters if they're 10, 000, five thousand words each. Mm-hmm. And so you can get a good chunk of the story at one time. And so I do that as it, like the whole as I'm writing it. And so by the time I get to the end of it, like I've already gone through like the first like all of it multiple times, listening to it, and sometimes I'll read it like. I don't have much going on The when I should be doing other Mm -hmm. things (laughs) Um, and so like I've already gone over it and rethought it and, and changed things that by the time I get to the end of the book like I just need to like revise like not even really change too much, but like just edit like the last couple of chapters and put them, go through them a bunch of times. And I'm, I'm I don't know, I'm strange. That's how I do things. Because <laughs> by no, the time I, I think, get to the, end of the think book, like the mystery's yeah. gone. I'm no, I don't want to be dealing with it anymore. <laughs> I want to just push it out right into the world and move to the next thing. I get, I get bored with it. Mm-hmm. So like I try to get everything mm-hmm. done mm-hmm. while the mystery, while I'm still like chasing the mystery of like how does this freaking thing end. <laughs>
1: Oh, that, that makes total sense to me. Like, I, I can't do that for whatever reason. Um, like, I need to write through to the end of the story. And then, and then I think I've written the best story ever. And then like, I find out, oh, no, actually, it's not the best story ever. And so like, I trying to go back this, this, this book, um, what's the Sea Glass Tide, I wrote, um, I wrote in during the, um, the Clarion West write last July. And, um, and I was just, I didn't, like push myself I wrote 100,000 words more than 100,000 words
0: wow in
1: like three weeks and I did that by throwing fight scenes at a wall and I'm um, just like gonna write another I've got I've got to write something exciting so like just like fight scene wow. after fight scene after fight scene and um then discovering you know what you know I've got like so many points of view um that's actually boring like it's just like hundred thousand words of fight scenes um it's it's not exciting anymore um it's not interesting and like so like the the basic story that I wanted to tell in that book like is the is the same basic story but figuring out how to tell the story like going back and making sure that the story is like engaging for a reader um, I, I had to do a lot of work on that which is why it's it's taken taken a year of revisions really. Um, and so like trying to like really push it to get it all done in three weeks. Like now I know like that's maybe not the best strategy because it takes me a year to fix that. Um, and yeah, like I just, I, I, I think I'm a heavy reviser. and then like also of course, like I had written these three other books also like within the past year, the other books that are in draft. And, but the thing yeah. is like, I wanted to write all the way to the end of the story of the series and then, but now like. I have so much to revise and less opportunity to just like start writing a new story. And so sometimes like you love to say like you you want energy of the new story, um, but I have to like get the old, old story to its completed form. So I have to like keep keep working on it until that is done. But um, that's why, like I was saying, like, I kind of want to write about this completely different character in a completely different world um, and write that novel. But I feel like, I feel like I want to finish this too. So um, it, I'll probably keep focusing on this um, at least at least until the series is done, so. But yeah, I wish I was one of those people that could revise while I'm writing. I am, I am not that person. <laughs> I have to like write it all out and then go back and revise
0: yeah i just like i said like i get by the time i get to the book like i don't want to deal with it anymore (laughs) i want to move to the next thing so i yeah developed a system where i can get everything done so that there's the littlest um and it's
1: also Mm -hmm. yeah like did you say you have 21 books i mean clearly Mm the system works very well
0: (laughs) well i mean it's Um, it's something i've developed over time Hmm.
1: Uh, you know, you also like you said, like you you like to listen to your books, and I have also heard mm-hmm. a lot of people say that that's really helpful. I I don't really like listening to books. Like I don't listen to audio books really, and mm. um, I don't like listening to people read to me. And so, um, you know, I for me, I like I know I would just like space out listening to my own story. I wouldn't be paying attention at all because that's yeah. what happens when people read to me. Um. But I do like to walk around and listen to music and think about my story. And that's like taking those long walks is really, really helpful for that.
0: Yeah, I love the long walks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's a good it's a good way to, like, think, you know, you're away from computers You mm-hmm. just the brain can go off. And, yeah. like you know, and so sometimes that screws up your outline. <laughs> Because your brain goes, plays that game of, what if we mm-hmm. do this? And you're like, no, no, we can't. We're supposed to get from point A to point B. There's yeah. no C, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I like to, um, I like to, it's almost like free associating. And then like my brain can solve problems oh, yeah. that I can't solve if I'm staring right at it. But like kind of like walking around and just letting my brain do whatever, then like the solution comes. So that's really that's really a good method for me no that's that is yeah free so
0: i mean for me free association is dangerous and i come up with like other series and like no no we need to finish the thing we're working on right now don't get (laughs) you know we've written 21 books in this world like you know we need to i don't think i'm ever gonna write in any other world this Mm -hmm. one is just there's too many things that are just Mm -hmm. calling out for attention as you as you put it um. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to say about the Phoenix and the Sword? About the uh, I was trying to remember hmm. the name of the second book. It has such a cool name. The um.
1: Uh. The sh- the shoreless river is the second. That's book.
0: it. The shoreless yeah. river, and or the yeah sea glass.
1: Glass shattered. The sea glass. <laughs> The Sea Glass Tide is the, okay. the one that those I'm working cool. on now. That's my work in progress. That's How you, yeah. Where do you get these gonna... titles from? These are cool names. Well, like I I I went through many terrible titles first. So like, until until I got to those. But um but yeah, so and really like some of them are really bad. Um uh, yeah, it's I, I think the, the titles kind of like capture kind of the vibe of the books too. I see. Which is um, you know, there's there's like a certain um, I don't know, to me anyway, like they, they they have the the titles reflect something that's very important about the book and um, maybe it won't make sense until it gets read, but uh, there there it's the titles are related to the themes of the books for sure. Oh,
0: that that's an um, interesting way of doing it. Because yeah. I tend to be like hit you on the head with it. I'm mm. like something is revealed, the name of the book is revealed to me. I tend to be pretty obvious like that. Somebody is trapped, the name of the book is trapped. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhat spoiler there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But, like, I'm just Yeah, not, like, well, I mean, the phoenix and like, the tendrils. sword is, like, pretty... You know, it seems, like, pretty super obvious, but... No, but, you know, the... Um, yeah, the, the sea glass tide, which is the one that I'm working about now. Like, I don't know, like, if you've ever been to, like, um, a beach that has sea glass on it. How, like, you find these treasures of no. uh, glass that have been broken gotcha. and th- thrown into the ocean. And they get washed and tumbled around until they're very um, soft-edged and... um. They're not the the same color or the same texture that they used to be, but they're still really beautiful. Um, and so like that's kind of what um, what motivated me like that that's kind of like underlying that title. and the um, the sea glass tide that there there is a tide that you actually can't resist. like no one can resist the tide. the tide comes in mm-hmm. um, and you can't change it. You know there's there's something about the time of the world and how the world works that is irresistible and so um yeah those were kind of the images that that underlay that title and that are part of the themes of that book
0: that's so this is a beautiful like that's so beautiful i'm jealous you have such beautiful book titles (laughs) and i'm just like my title is the hammer hitting you over the head with what's inside
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know but like yeah but but then like like i i I can like come on a come on a podcast and like I can't tell you but things happen in my book, you know. So like a lot of things yeah. happen. It's a good book. I read it. Like this is like but we, here's I, a like of am giving you. So um and we yeah. we got a lot of We got a lot out of you, I think. I think we we squeezed you dry. You, we we did. got some spoilers. I heard, I heard many things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are some spoilers. And this is actually the first time that I've ever talked about the world in any systematic way. Um, so you're you're the first to like hear about um, actually how the world works aside from how we discover it oh. in the stories. Um, so, yeah, and it's fun to have that opportunity to do it. So thank you.
0: No, this was really fun. I, I was like blown away by some of the it's so different, you know, the from uh, because i guess like a lot of fantasy authors that have come on here have been more the like western side and it's and we're all kind of pulling from similar traditions uh but this is like it was this was just a real treat this was just it was very different very interesting and 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 just thank you so much for coming on here (laughs) i've I, Thank you, Now, I, now I I'm never going to stop thinking about plants that can cultivate.
1: <laughs> I know. I, well, you should, I you know should not because many, if that actually happened in your world, you know, you would want to be prepared so i mean
0: <laughs> I i'm kind of half afraid that's what's going on i have enchanted forests and they're quasi intelligent i have this giant mm-hmm. enchanted tree she's the queen of all trees she's very intelligent and she's a magic user and like never mm-hmm. don't i still haven't quite worked out like where the forest came from i have some ideas or where she came from and like now i'm mm-hmm. like what if you know like now like the cultivation thing is in my head and i'm like could that be mm-hmm. this like mm-hmm. she's just beautiful awesome she's just a fixture Mm -hmm. she's in every book somewhere Mm -hmm. and like they never really eventually i have to delve into like where did she come from the how did there get to be this very magical very sentient tree you know who wanders around and like she has plans she's actually the queen of the country she's a tree she's not human (laughs) Mm -hmm. she was never human and like Uh just she's just so cool like
1: there's yes, so many other that things that really I just cool. never got
0: to that. So now I'm like, but plants can yeah. cultivate. Now I'm like, God, what would happen if my enchanted
1: forest mm-hmm. were to cultivate itself? I know. <laughs> well, maybe they already did. And, and that's like, nobody remembers that cultivation exists. And, you know, like that, that's the thing. Like, I think sometimes it's interesting. It's t- to not know like how something magical came to be or that, the people in the in the world are like telling legends about it but those legends could be wrong and like different people are going to have different opinions about what it is and right. maybe the sentient tree also has an opinion and maybe her opinion's not right you know because people you know beings may not know how they came to be um so for me like that that's just all very interesting and one of the wonderful things about fantasy worlds is that it's not all laid out in front of you in front of anybody that's in the world
0: i agree Agree, and and there is a whole bunch of different theories that people throw around in the books about it, and some of them are just like, who knows?
1: Mm -hmm. Some mad
0: mage in the past probably did this because you'd have to be nuts to enchant that many miles of forest,
1: (laughs) or Mm -hmm. be very desperate.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: you know.
1: Yeah, and and I think you know part of the reason that um, this this book that I'm working on now is different than the first two is the the first two are very much like. A love story and it's a love story primarily of immortal beings that you know have limited interest in in, in you know laying out how the world works for you but right, um right. this 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 book that i'm working on now um has more of the world's stakes and the nature of the world is part of the subject of the books and so i've actually had to think about it a lot more so that that gave me more and so maybe with your books that'll happen too like there will be a point where You know, what's at stake in this book actually is, you know, how the queen of the trees came to be or, you know, how she's going to survive or what threat there is to her existence. And then you have to then you have to know, then you have to be able to understand and make it part of the story. But until then, it's just the queen of the trees (laughs) doing what she does.
0: Yeah, I mean, there have definitely been stories where we've had to dig a little into the backstory and I'm like, oh God, I don't know what her backstory is. She won't tell me. <laughs> me. There's, She's there's a key. She's private. There's a few characters <laughs> like that. Sleeping Angel's another uh, one who oh, will yeah. tell me her background. But she shows up yeah. in the book I'm currently writing and I'm like, will you just please tell me what you are. Maybe. Like,
1: it's like, are, I'm going to maybe... make up a backstory for you. And if you don't like it, then you have to correct me. <laughs>
0: And it's like, we're never in her head. It's just her, you know, so she mm-hmm. could be completely lying to other people and we would never know. You know, she could tell a version of her story. Uh, actually, she won't tell her story. Like people ask her, like, who are you? What is your name? And she's just like, no answer. <laughs> just dope. Mm-hmm. Not something I'm going to answer. You know, I'm mm-hmm. here to off to make you a deal, not to answer your questions. That's basically, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was hoping we'd get some background. Letting go She zips the lip. She's just, I still don't know if she's Mm -hmm. a fallen god, a fallen angel, something else. No idea.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. So I hope I'll get some answers. (laughs) She's definitely a player. Yeah, I definitely got power. um, But we've, yeah, we've gone Mm -hmm. on a bit long. I know you've got a tight deadline. So um, is there anything else you want to say about your books? And, And we'll start wrapping things up.
1: No, this was super fun. Um, I guess the, the only other thing is, you know, um, you can, I have a website, um, I have a newsletter, I'm on social media. Um, I'm on Goodreads and I actually love answering questions about the books and the characters, um, and talking about the world. And I love it when people ask me those questions. So, um, if you want to go, like, ask me a question on Goodreads or, um, you know, find me on social media and, you know, ask about anything about the books, um, I really do enjoy having those conversations. So I really like talking with readers that are reading the books and have questions. So that's just a fun thing and I love to do it.
0: We'll have all the links because uh, JC Snow generously provided all those links in the show notes or in the description, depending on where you're listening. And thank you so much, JC, for joining us. Again, this has been fantasy lore and more i'm melinda cassara your host we were talking to jc snow about the phoenix and the sword and thanks for listening we'll be back with another auth- fantasy book and another fantasy author and soon so it's definitely like hit the follow button or the whatever it is on wherever you are <laughs> so that you're notified yeah. so thank you and have a great day or a great evening depending on where you're listening